0: Yeah, it's not a hobby, definitely not a hobby, uh, but I don't do anything kind of just like a little bit. I have ADD and I'm a little bit, when I'm in something and I'm obsessed with something, I'm obsessed with it. And yeah, I'm three years in and still obsessing over over real estate, so.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of Hey Homegirl. Hey home girls! this week we are in Las Vegas, Nevada, where the real estate landscape is ever-changing. Deidre Wilson from The Real Brokerage is joining us to talk about what it was like to relocate to a new area and build the business and a brand over the last three years, and also give us some inside tips on her elevated VIP buyer experience. Hey homegirls, this week we are in Las Vegas with Deidre Wilson from Real Brokerage. I'm so excited to have her on today. She is an unbelievable agent. She loves the power of pink, just like Heidi Harris in all of her marketing. And she's going to share some great things about being a mom, being an amazing wife in real estate, but also about how she loves on her buyers.
0: Awesome. I'm so happy to be here. So thank you so much, Sarah. I'm excited. I have to admit I'm a little nervous, but uh, that's okay. We're going to lean into it just keep going. How did you get into real estate? So I took a long way around to get into real estate. I actually was hired as a marketing assistant in 2010 when I was finishing my MBA program in Northern Illinois. And there was an ad in my college newspaper looking for someone to help with marketing, and it was a real estate agent. And I've always loved real estate, and I thought, oh, I'll go and see what this is about. So I started helping her. She was a top producing agent. She still is. She's phenomenal, Katie Hemming out of Geneva, Illinois. And she owns her own female brokerage now. Uh, She's such a badass. Am mm-hmm. I allowed to say a cuss word on here? But <laughs> yes, you are, you are, and you and are it- a badass. I can see it. <laughs> <you. laughs> yes. And I just saw how she managed having five kids and a husband that was in construction and contracting at the time. And she asked me to get licensed so that I could help her do some licensed activities. I was so broke that I said, I'll I'll get licensed, but you have to pay for it. I don't even, I can't even put gas in my car half the time. And I got licensed. I loved it. I fell in love with real estate and did CMAs for her, pulled comps. I mean- She really taught me all the groundwork and I just couldn't afford to pay to play. So I took a safe corporate job with a defense contractor and did contract negotiations for a company in Chicagoland and kind of just climbed the corporate ladder for 10 years. And when the pandemic hit, I had been relocated to Las Vegas to help build Allegiant Stadium, the brand areas of Allegiant Stadium. And I just got really tired of working for someone else and you know managing a $10 million plus portfolio and making like 1% on any upsale versus I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go back into real estate. And when the pandemic hit, I saw the writing on the wall that they were going to hold on to me as long as possible, but I was in experiential marketing, live events. And in that arena, that was hit so hard because we couldn't gather. And so I got my license in October of 2020. So I'm one month out from my three-year anniversary uh, for my second time being licensed. And yeah, I haven't looked back. I I couldn't imagine going back to work for someone else. I couldn't imagine. Uh, I mean, it's risky to do this, but I've I've been downsized twice in corporate. So it's no more risky working for yourself than it is getting downsized. So yeah, that's the roundabout way of how I got into real estate.
1: That's awesome. Our industry is so lucky that you decided to come back because I think you just bring an unbelievable level of professionalism. And that's sometimes that's rare to see in somebody that hasn't been doing it full time year after year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I just took it as if I was going to run this business, it had to be a business. I didn't want to be the girl that sold a couple houses a year. I wanted to be the amazing wife and mom and woman that has a like very Navy SEAL small team that sells many houses a year. So yeah, it's not a hobby. Definitely not a hobby. Uh, but I don't do anything kind of just like a little bit. I have ADD and I'm a little bit when I'm in something and I'm obsessed with something, I'm obsessed with it. And yeah, I'm three years in and still obsessing over, over
1: real estate. So awesome. That's how I always explain it to people too. Like I am obsessed with real estate and it is a, it is my job, but it is also part of my lifestyle. Like I just love that we can always be lifelong learners and never know it and just be constantly learning. And our industry is always changing. There's always new things. Yeah,
0: if you're not learning, you're definitely slowly dying. But it's baffling to me because in Las Vegas, um, well, in the state of Nevada, there are regulations for our CE classes say that if you're over a certain age and you've been in the business long enough, you don't have to take certain things. And I'm like i think that's i think that's a disservice to clients everywhere i think everyone should be required to maintain a certain level of ce and up to date with technology and the new laws and and regulations i mean Yeah, I think that we have to be forever learners because the industry is constantly changing. Every industry
1: is constantly changing, but particularly ours right now. So there's a super fun fact about Nevada, and I don't know if you know this, but I was recently at a Tom Ferry event and Tom was talking about how Nevada is a very interesting state when it comes to real estate, because you cannot have your name in your brokerage. So it could never be Deirdre Wilson real estate. That would be a big no no. And just-
0: actually, in the state of Nevada, you have to have your name
1: as part That's of your team. That's what it name. was. That's what yeah. it was. So
0: it's it's kind of frustrating because it makes you egotistical and you don't mean to be. But like, I don't want to be the Wilson group. That's right. so buh. But then yeah. these are, you know, to, yeah, you have to have your name in your team
1: name. Okay. That's what it was. So this guy, we won't have, we don't have to really tell the story, but I'm just going to tell it to you. This guy went and legally changed his name to Nevada so that he can own Nevada real estate group or Nevada realty. Wow.
0: That's commitment.
1: And he's like (laughs) one of the biggest broker owners in Nevada, which I thought was crazy. So your story about how you got into real estate is super interesting. And thank you for sharing that with us. Over the last three years, what do you think you've seen the biggest shifts happen in the Nevada marketplace?
0: Oh my gosh. Our demand is in...
1: It's insatiable.
0: I think everyone was anticipating the Nevada market, especially the Southern Nevada market, Clark County, Las Vegas, Henderson, where the majority of our metropolitan or the majority of our citizens live in in Clark County for the entire state. And I think everyone thought it was going to be a resurgence of 2008, where we were one of the hardest hit in the country. And I wasn't a resident of the state of Nevada at that time, but the home values were just crushed in 2008. And it took a long time for them to recover. And I think everyone's just waiting for that to happen again here. They just think it's just going to happen again, just like it did 10 years ago. You know, everything was so cheap. You could buy so cheap in Las Vegas. You can't do that anymore because it's such a desirable place to live. It's such a desirable place for business. And I don't know if you've paid attention or followed the news, but in the last couple of years, Las Vegas has gotten L team. We have this Raiders. We are getting an MLB team, MLB team. We have the Stanley Cup hockey team, the the Golden Knights. We have a WNBA team that was champions last year. People just think, you know, oh, I'm going to wait for prices to go down. There's so much Formula One the next 10 years. I mean, I could go on. There's so much growth here, so much economic growth, so much business opportunity here. Las Vegas is, it's not going down again. We have eight people move here a minute.
1: I heard. Oh, unbelievable. And you have so much new construction that's still happening. So there's other parts of the country that it's slowing down. But I've been to Las Vegas so many times in the last couple of years. And every time I fly in, I'm like, Oh, my God, the city's bigger than it was last year when I was here. It's Unbelievable. And really,
0: we can kind of keep growing because we're not constricted by you know, the ocean, you know, when you're in Southern California, there's only so far you can go west and then you hit the water. There's so much opportunity for it to keep growing and keep growing. I'm excited where I'm sitting right now in my house was not here five years ago. This entire area was just desert. So
1: I'm excited for the growth. Uh, There's so much opportunity here. Do you have a lot of Airbnb investors that are coming into your marketplace? No,
0: our Clark County regulates our Airbnb, probably the most strict in the country, because we Mm -hmm. do not allow anything to compete with our biggest driver of revenue. Here And that's the strip. So anything under 30 days, uh, short term rental, you have to have a license for if you get caught, you can be fined. They only give out so many Airbnb licenses in the county. So yeah, it's I, I turn away buyers all the time that are like, I'd love to buy an Airbnb here. I'm like, good luck. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's a lot of risk.
1: And that's one of the things we've heard on previous episodes, it's so important that you're working with an agent who's knowledgeable with the municipality and understands how those towns and cities are running those because it's not just as simple as picking up the phone and saying hey I want a second home that I'm going to rent out so it's good that you understand those laws and know how to direct people in the right way to go with that
0: yeah and a lot of people who buy airbnb's they're not necessarily opposed to risk they just think hey it's it's going to be a cash cow it's going to be awesome Mm -hmm. there's a lot more risk associated with the strs here so but Mm -hmm. i mean there's so much opportunity here for midterm rentals anything you know over 30 days but under a year mostly because we have so many people relocating here building houses or they want to you know they're trying to to time their move we also have so many people that are here for just small parts of construction jobs that the midterm rental game here is kind of an underrated gem. If I had more money sitting right here in my back pocket, I'd I'd probably get a midterm rental here just because there's so much demand for it.
1: So one of the ways that you're really building this portion of your business is focused on new home buyers, first time home buyers, and you've really elevated that game compared to some of the other agents in your marketplace. So tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. So I, didn't want to be a buyer's agent, but in the last year and a half, I'm not from Las Vegas. I relocated here in 2019. So I'm literally on, on year four just this month. So I don't have a huge sphere here. And I knew I had to build that sphere, build that listing machine. And I'm still working to build that listing machine. When I look back at my numbers, I'm kind of shocked by how many buyers I work with compared to sellers. So I really wish I could go back and re my clients that were my first couple buyers, the first like two years, I think all professional realtors would wish they could redo it in the beginning because they do it so much better now if they've been in it for a long amount of time. So I just wanted everything to feel like a white glove experience. I wanted every client to feel like, wow, I want to go buy another house and work with these girls again, or work with these ladies again, because it was just so awesome. And it doesn't matter what budget someone has to spend, it takes a little amount of effort to make someone feel so important, make someone feel like you really have their best interest at heart, and just to make someone feel loved on and and cared about. And so we kind of dissected our whole buyer the way we approach servicing our buyers earlier this year. And it was after Tom Ferry's elite retreat and another Tom Ferry agent who won't be named, but he's in my marketplace and he's a phenomenal agent. And if I, if I'm going to lose business to someone, I want to lose it to, to him because he's a stand up guy and a real professional. And he gave us his kind of golden key on how he services his clients from buyers and sellers. And we took that and we ripped it apart and we sprinkled a bunch of, you know, us on it. And it's been so impactful to our clients. We had a client, I think two, three months ago, bonused us 5,000 additional dollars on top of, we were already getting a phenomenal co-op because of their experience working with us. And they're like, it was the best experience ever. And we were like, no, 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 we're already getting, you know, we're getting a a compensated at a a full fair pay. You don't need to do this. And I've always been told you can decline something twice. And then the third time you just say, okay, thank you. And so they offered it to us more than once. And finally I said, okay, let me talk to my broker and we'll, you know, make sure it's done the right way. Cause you can't just hand me $5,000 cash.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And
0: that was really a testament to our new approach and how well it was working. So yeah, we can dive into what we do. I don't, I don't know how you, yeah, it
1: you up. want to, share, just you know, just, you know, two or three things that you think that separating you from some of the other agents in your marketplace that maybe some of our listeners can tap into would be awesome.
0: So uh, first and foremost, we do do like a consult call with every client that we get and it's a little bit tedious, but I tell clients I'm like, Hey, if I can have 10 minutes at the front, it really reduces a lot of like coming back and forth with questions. So we do a full consultation of understanding what their needs are, what what are they looking for? If they want four bedrooms, why is that fourth bedroom an office? So we try to like really consult the buyer before we get in the car with them. Because I've learned if you don't do that, you're in the car with them a lot more. And you're looking at 40 properties when you could have looked at 10. So then once we get them under contract, which obviously is not an easy thing. And I'm proud also to say that all my clients have purchased their home for under appraised value, which takes me back to my contract negotiation days right out of my MBA. And I need to share more about that on my social and
1: it's, it's on the to-do list. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We're not quite finished yet. But as the homegirl of your hometown, I would love to pass the mic to you so that you can share your story and some of your secrets with the homegirl community. To apply, please go to to howtobeahomegirl.com in the show notes. Especially coming out of the market that we've been in where there's just been so much competition, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. To be able to say, not only are you helping your clients get into their house, but because you're, I'm a little bit of a hardball negotiator when I'm at the actual table or the MacBook, so to speak. It's a great thing because then your clients walk in with equity above what they anticipated. So So once we're under contract, one of the things we immediately start is an email communication map. And that journey is like eight, nine steps long. And basically we can assume that every single client, no matter their age, or if they've sold a house that they remember or recall, or actually purchased the the house that they sold. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a huge assumption. Like I had clients that just bought an investment property for their son and daughter-in-law and their two granddaughters. And, you know, they were probably in their mid 60s, I would anticipate. And they said, you know, we've never bought a house before. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So then it hit me, all of our clients that come to us, we can't make assumptions that they remember what it was like. Obviously mm-hmm. buying a house 20, 30 years ago is a lot different than buying it today. And we need to refresh them because also if they haven't bought it in Clark County, then there's probably disclosures and steps in the process they may not be familiar with. They may be uncomfortable with. So we really make an effort to educate our clients through the process of congratulations. Your offer has been accepted. Here's what's next. Here's what this means. So we go all the way down to, we introduce them privately and an escrow email to our escrow team. So they know, you know, this random escrow officer who's going to reach out to them and why. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And we just outline like, this is who you should be hearing from it. And so we also do
1: emails or the video emails.
0: Templated emails, we copy Mm -hmm. and paste them from my Monday work management board. And I'm actually looking at it right now. So I don't mess it up. But it's like step one offer accepted. Then we go into introduce the client to escrow privately. Then we do congratulations, the EMD from your bank has been received. Once the EMD is received, we send this client interest survey. And That is a critical juncture in the buyer journey because it allows us to get to know them. You know, so many people like don't drink coffee. They don't like champagne. If they have a choice between a steakhouse or a juicy place or a barbecue, we want to know what do you like? Do you have a favorite sports team? What do you do to relax? What are your kids' names? So we do that client interest survey right after the EMD is accepted because the client's excited. They're ready to move into the next step and they're so agreeable to fill that out and it allows us to get so much information to love on them better. So we do that client survey right out the gate after EMD is accepted. And then we get to the home inspection and this is where we really stepped it up this year. And instead of just providing the inspection report. We walk through the inspection report with our clients. And then we say, are there any of these items that are deal breakers for you that you really need to further investigate? And, you know, typically they, you know, it's the big ticket items like holds a roof. Can we get a, a separate roof inspection? Or we'd love to get a paint quote because this paint is terrible. Can we get a couple paint quotes or whatever it is? And we go out and we source two to three quotes per ticket item. That's a deal breaker because I want them to know one, if the seller doesn't agree to fix these or offer a credit, this is what it's going to cost you. Are you okay with that? And then it also makes the listing agent's job easier because we submit with the request for repairs
1: and the inspection report, those quotes. How are you getting those in such a quick turnaround time? We work our tails off. (laughs) No, we have uh... (laughs) a...
0: We, we have a list of handymen that we've used in the past, like two to three of them. We have two to three painters. I have a roofing company I use for every single roof repair. They've been wonderful. And I don't see a need to go get a secondary roofing person unless they mess up because they've just been so great to my clients and very, very reasonable. Over the last three years, I have like developed a list of you really, these totally are the people. Yeah. yeah. So plumbers, electricians, painters, landscapers, even Wes, my pool guy from Aquabella pools, he's come out and surveyed a yard to be like, Hey, yeah, you could definitely do a school here or raise spa, or you could do a full thing. And just being able to add that level of additional things for the client makes them feel like, yes, okay. If they say no to this, but they say yes to all these other things, then we can handle this down the road. Cause it's only a $5,000 item or, you know, whatever. That's an
1: amazing way for you to build your business to business relationships also you know, because you're then going with this whole team of business professionals and saying, these are the people I trust. And they in turn are saying, this is the agent I trust.
0: Yeah. yeah it's been great. Cause I think the last one we submitted the request for repairs, the agent, you know, he's an older guy. I am shocked. He wasn't retired quite honestly. He says I've been selling homes in sun city Anthem for 30 years. And I'm thinking, well, you have to be 55. So <laughs> trying to do the math here because yeah. he lives in sun city Anthem too. So I'm trying to do the math. And, and he was like shocked that I submitted the request for repairs with several quotes to it's not only, it proves that we're not asking too much and it makes their job easier too, because then they'll either say, okay, fine. Use the person they want to use. We'll pay for it. Or they say, here's a credit for that amount. You can take care of that after close.
1: That's awesome. So, so that yeah, you that's have been have a huge one. All your secrets. What's like your top thing? Properties closed. Your buyers are now in the home that they wanted. What are one or two things that your follow-up process looks like? Because I feel like so many agents stop on closing day. And really getting us to understand that they're not past clients, they're forever clients is the mindset we have to have.
0: Yeah. So we check in with them. We're going Saturday, my colleague and buyer's agent on my team, Cammy, we are going over to see our clients, um, Steve and Kathy that just bought here in Sun City Anthem and they bought and they knew they had a whole paint job to do, ripping out the baseboards. It just was, you know, great home, great bones, but it needed refreshed. And she invited us over Saturday. So we're taking her a big gift basket and we're just going to see her house because we stay in touch. We just we invited her to our quarterly ladies bunko just so she could get to know some new ladies in the neighborhood. So our big thing is just periodically staying in touch. I love when they invite me back to show me how they decorated it, how they painted it, how they updated, you know, another one of my clients, he sent me a picture of the loft off of their daughter's bedroom and they had a whole custom built-in done. And I was like, this is amazing. Congratulations. So yeah, I just kind of want to know how they're using the space. And that's an easy way to stay connected. The other thing that we do that's been the least cost, least costly, but the highest impact is we do send moving boxes on week three. Mm -hmm. And it's 40 bucks. Kid you not. Not branded. At some point, I'd like to get like the branded tape, but I don't, it's not in the budget yet. But we do a custom, like a basic moving kit for 40 bucks. And it gets sent after the final clear to close for the, or the loan contingency. Once that's cleared, then it gets shipped and it's usually there within a day or two. People are so shocked when that comes in. They're like, you sent us moving boxes. Like, I've never had a real estate agent do that. And I used to do the moving boxes through, client giant but client giant was like 200 bucks i think for the client and it did it like four different things touch points three things during the escrow process and then one gift after close and it was just kind of costly and then it just felt a little bit more generic i do like that you could plug and play and just let it go but that one that one had moving boxes in it too and i did that good idea yeah yeah
1: it's been amazing to hear about how you've been able to take a standard buyer, buyer process and really elevate that. And the reality is, is that's helping you build your foundation for those listings that are going to come later, you know, and not enough agents think about that. You know? Absolutely.
0: I mean, every opportunity you have to meet and talk with someone and work with someone, you have an opportunity to interview, to be someone they will refer to. And I actually just finally entering into year three, have my first Seller client that referred me to their mom that's got to sell. And so that's the first, I'm like, yay, I've been hearing all about this, you know, client referral and someone that you've helped in the past and then they're going to refer you business. And I'm just like, okay, okay, when's it going to happen? And so I'm in year three and it's finally happening. So just, I really do wish I could just go back and resurface the beginning clients because I feel like they didn't get the best of me. And And now they would get the best, but oh, well, we can only move forward and do better by all the next ones, you know,
1: but you know what the reality is, is maybe in three years, we're going to look back at this podcast and you're going to say, I wish my clients from three years ago could get this even better, more enhanced version of myself, you know, because you're a lifelong learner, just like I am. And the reality is, is that you're going to be better tomorrow than you are today. And that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. As I finish up every episode, I always like to ask, what's one piece of advice that you would give other females in our industry or entering entering our industry to help empower them? This one's a little
0: vain, but I think it's important. I think when you take good care of yourself, when you look good and you feel good, you like radiate a different energy. And I have never been scared to get on camera. Two years ago, Tom told us at elite, or a year and a half ago now, maybe get on video, get on video. I have no problem getting on video and I'm confident doing everything I I need to do because I take good care of myself. I make time for me and it makes you feel good and yeah. to be in front of people and, and to just put yourself out there. So I would say as a female in this industry, like take good care of yourself. That means if you gotta go get your facials every six weeks, go get a facial. I mean, just take good care of yourself. And I know it sounds vain, but like it matters because how you present yourself in this industry, how you show up, it all matters. And if you want someone to trust you with their biggest asset purchase and you're showing up and you look disheveled and, you know, you're just, you're just not pulled together, it it matters. And it's, it lessens their confidence in what you can do for them.
1: You work in a cloud-based office brokerage, correct? Correct. Yeah. And so you're working at home, you're not getting up and going into a brick and mortar office every single day. And so for you, that's so important too, because you want to get up and feel like you got to get to work every day. And sometimes, especially coming out of the pandemic, we have agents that don't want to come to their offices. They want to work from home, but working from home needs to look like working from home. Mm I mean, I
0: admit I do exercise a lot and I squeeze it in where I can. So you will find me often in my uniform, my, all my mom friends call my uniform, my black Lululemons and my either on shoes or Hoka's or my cloud sandals and my white Lulu tank top. That is my uniform. But when I'm client facing or I know I'm going to be doing something, I pull myself together and looking professional. But I also think it's important in this business too, that we do make time and Tom always like kind of pushes us to be like, yeah, like you have to be this, 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 and I'm like, not everybody operates and functions well in that kind uh-huh. of in that kind of scenario. I function best when I am able to get the work I need to get done done. But also, I go and I do my Pilates class, or I go to my strength training class, or I get on my treadmill that's really ugly, but it's right there, my Peloton <laughs> tread, and I'll be walking and doing follow ups on my laptop. I just think that in this industry as women, we have to take good care of ourselves.
1: Yeah. And that's in any industry. It it really, really is. We don't, we're always prioritizing our partners or our children or our pets, (laughs) which get Mm -hmm. sometimes more than we do ourselves. So I think that's awesome advice. And I think it's, you know, kind of us as females tribing together and saying, we give you permission, like it's okay to be selfish for yourself and you have to do Mm -hmm. that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, cuz if if you don't then you arrive at success and you're not confident, you're you don't feel good in in your skin, all that stuff. So, that's been a big focus of mine this year. Like I do um a weekly thing with my real estate coach Heidi, and every single week I have to do like a gas tank meter. Like, how's my business? How's my finances? How's my I can't remember what the one of the other ones is. And then the last one is how's my health, oh, health and happiness. All year long my health and happiness even though this market has been challenging. I mean, it's been hard for me Specifically, I'm sure it's been hard for other people too, but it's been a financially challenging year, but my health and happiness, because I'm taking care of myself all this year has always been on the full and it's important
1: because you can't buy that part. Nope. A hundred percent. You can't, you can't. Well, thank you for continuing to inspire us all. I love the social media that you're putting out. So I'm going to urge all of our listeners to go and follow you on Instagram because you just take such a fun and professional approach to your business that I think it's really inspirational for other women to watch.
0: Thanks. I actually just started a new account. So if you search me, there's an old account that I've been stuck at forever, the Deidre Wilson and I still have it. It's there in case I decide to go back to it. But I started a new one, Vegas Deidre, because both my degrees are in yes. marketing. So yeah. So when you type in Vegas, there's the Vegas channel, which is the iconic Vegas, what happens in Vegas channel. And then now Vegas Deidre pops up with it too. So I'm regrow- I'm starting over with a new account. I'm testing it. Vegas Deidre, I'm giving myself a year. My growth and engagement has been so much better on it. So if you're going and you're like, wow, there's two accounts, that's why there's two accounts because... Instagram Mm -hmm. hates my old account and they won't let (laughs) me grow anymore. So I'm going to try to circumvent it and go around it and regrow a new one.
1: Okay. Well, I will definitely point our followers to the new account and thank you so much for sharing space with us today. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me. I definitely was like shocked you even asked, but I was so excited. So (laughs) (laughs) So, Awesome. Thanks, Sarah.
1: Yeah. Thank you.